tension. Coal miners in one community, they've been on strike now for months. Working as long as 12 hours a day, seven days a week, in some of the most dangerous conditions. I really think that the labor movement is the single greatest force for democracy in the history of the United States. The story of Alabama is a story of not just resilience, but of militancy. I If we ain't all free, ain't none of us free. You're listening to Alabama's only union talk radio show, The Valley Labor Report, with Adam Keller and Jacob Morrison. Hello, Tennessee Valley. This is The Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host and fellow agitator Adam Keller, and we are broadcasting live online and on the radio from the heart of the Tennessee Valley, the Spice Radio Studios in Huntsville, Alabama. Today, Aerojet workers in Huntsville talk about why they're unionizing IBEW railroaders win paid sick days and hair and makeup artists win a big NLRB case out of Atlanta. All that and more on today's Valley Labor Report. If you want to be part of the program today, we've got a phone number. The line isn't open because we have a very packed show in the first half, but you can call in in the second half of the show. Uh, during the first half of the show, you are, of course, free to text us at 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. You can also leave a voicemail or send us a text message throughout the week. We got a few of those last week, and we'll be responding to those in overtime. Uh, if you haven't gotten enough of us by the time that we wrap up here on the radio, or if you just want to see what we're up to throughout the week, then you can find us anywhere you find anything online, particularly on our website, tvlr.fm. You're going to want to bookmark that page because we update it uh, regularly throughout the week with new articles, uh, clips, and things like that. So bookmark that page. You can also find us on YouTube, TikTok, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all those good stuff, uh, you can find us there. If you followed us on Twitter, you'd be able to see pictures from the Iron Workers Apprenticeship Competition in the Southeastern States District Council. We were there in Chattanooga last week and got to see some Iron Worker apprentices showcase their skills, uh, take a look at apprentices from across the South. Very impressive stuff, and uh, we had a lot of fun. So follow us on Twitter and you'd be able to see those pictures. Just a reminder, your support helps us stay on the air. Our largest single source of funding comes directly from our listeners. So if you want to become a sustaining member of the program, if you want to make a one-time donation or buy our merch, you can do all of that at our website, tvlr.fm. You can donate to the show at tvlr.fm slash donate. And you can uh, get some merch at tvlr.fm slash store. If you're a member of a union, then definitely think about getting your local to sponsor the show. Uh, you can reach out to us for more details on that. And let me add a disclaimer that any viewpoints or opinions expressed in this program belong solely to their author and do not necessarily represent any organization or sponsor. We welcome all of our listeners, whether you are on YouTube, Facebook, WVNN, WZZA, WHIV, or your favorite podcast app. And we are proud to be part of the Labor Radio Podcast Network and encourage our listeners to check that out. So Aerojet Rocketdyne is a world-class developer and manufacturer of advanced propulsion and energetics systems for customers, including the U.S. Department of Defense, NASA, and other agencies and companies, both in the United States and abroad. 
their markets include space, where they provide a full range of propulsion and power systems for launch vehicles, satellites and other space vehicles, strategic missiles, missile defense, and tactical systems and armaments. Uh, their propulsion systems, both liquid and solid-fueled, have been part have been at the heart of virtually every major U.S. space and missile program since the dawn of the space age. They also have a facility right here in Huntsville, Alabama, and their workers have decided that they would like to unionize. They filed a petition for an election some time ago, and the election is happening this Wednesday, June 28th, and there are two times that workers can uh, go and vote. Uh, those are going to be 5.30 to 8.30 a.m. and then 2.30 to 4.30 p.m. And you'll be able to vote at the conference room at the employer's facility located at 78 Pulaski Pike Northwest. 78 Pulaski Pike Northwest in Tony, Alabama. Zip code 35773. Uh, of course, you can only vote if you are a worker at Aerogyne. Aerojet rocket dine. So we have in studio with us uh, Eric Williams. He is a worker at Aerojet rocket dine in Huntsville, and Frenchie, uh, Philip French, goes by Frenchie. He is an organizer, a district organizer for the Machinist Union. Thanks, y'all, for taking the time to talk to us. Really appreciate it. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so, Eric, we can start off with just talking about what is the work that uh, that you do at Aerojet. Well, I work in the SM3 area, which we build the component pretty much is the brains of the missile. It controls the direction and the right, left, up and down and controls where it goes. So we work on the pretty much the brains of the uh, operation. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, you know, so y'all began organizing with the machinists some time ago, like last year, wasn't it? And why why did you want to do that? What were some of the issues that, that you were wanting to uh the inconsistencies of what they would tell us in the hiring process, they would tell you that the more you learn, the quicker you move up. And the quicker you move up, more compensation you'll get for that. And that wasn't true. And then also management, the change of management, I know I've gone through six managers in three years. And so the management changed all the time and each manager has a different philosophy, how they want to do things. And it's just a constant turnover. And also they have, uh, we have produced above and beyond what they figured that we would be able to do. So we getting a lot of appreciation, but no compensation for it. And no, uh, they've been feeding us a lot, but that's not paying the light bill. So they have no structure at all. Mm. They came from a unionized facility where they had structure. Now they can run free, and they that's what they're doing. They, they back and forth and, and everything, so no mm -hmm. consistency at all. Uh, when I was talking to a couple of y'all the other day, um, you know, one of your coworkers was talking about how there are people that can – you know, just to illustrate the inconsistency, sometimes folks can come in off the street with no experience in your industry and jump folks who have been there for years who have a lot more experience. And, you know, what what does that do to morale in uh, in the plant? Oh, the morale is uh, very low. You know, you have 
first of all, they, they tell you, don't tell nobody uh, how much you make. So that's a red flag right there. So, you know, so then you're going to talk and you're going to tell each other what you make eventually. And then, but you have had people come in with college degrees and 10, 15 years of uh, experience manufacturing come in at level one. And that's the lowest level you can come in out there. And you have people coming in out of high school two years driving a delivery truck level two mm. on the top end. And the level one person is training the level two person. <laughs> and it's just not, it's inconsistent at all. Mm-hmm. And everybody that worked there know it. Right. And just who going who want to do something about it? All of us agree on it. When you're sitting in the break room, oh, yes, everybody agree on it, but who want to do something about it? Mm. So that's what, something got to be done or, or they won't make it here at this facility. And the it's not only the inconsistent pay, like when you're starting out, uh, you said that there were issues with, you know, raises, be, being able to expect raises on a regular uh, timetable. Like that's just not something that you have there. No, uh, we do not have a cost of living raise. As anyone knows, that don't really keep up with cost of living. It's just a little bit they give you to look good. So they said, we don't have cost of living, but we have merit raises. Hmm. Well, you have people that new hires, like the first year, they'll get the same thing they got the second year when they have learned two different departments, the same percentage. So it's not a merit raise. It's whatever they feel like they want to give you. And uh, one time I had the manager told me, he told me that he would want to give me more, but they wouldn't let him. Mm. So, you know, it's, they control it like they want to. They have no reason or rhyme or to tell you why it's not a guideline showing you why did you get 2.5 or why did you get 4% at all? You just, whatever on the sheet, when they hand it to you, you look at it, that's it. There's no consistency with that anyway. And the, you know, you you were talking about y'all are getting appreciation and not, not a whole lot of compensation for that. And, and one of the, uh, talk, talk to us about that job that, that y'all told me that, you produced so much in six months that other facilities hadn't been able to do. In the third area, they had like, I think 600 case delivered. I'm not sold on exactly what the number was, but one thing we know that when they moved from California, they had produced in 10 years about 200 something cases. And in three years at Alabama, they produced 600. So it was like 800 case. Congratulations. And they got a jacket and some biscuits. And also, they didn't have any type of uh, leveling up or moving people up until the union drive came. That wasn't even a thing heard of. And that's the only reason they started doing it now, because of the union drive. It's not about producing. And it's almost every week or every other week we have a tour coming through. I call it. I said, look, at they, they want to see some cheap labor, so they're coming through, <laughs> coming through the, the uh, plant. And they brag on us how we producing but when it comes down to paying the worker they don't do it and like I say the management turnover is drastic and every time the managers getting ready to walk out the door they said y'all need to organize y'all need to organize this place because it won't make it right and you know the management's turning over a lot but the management y'all have right now is waging something of an anti-union campaign uh javier was telling me that it's not quite as bad as he's seen at other facilities uh but what are some of the things that management is trying to do to convince your you and your coworkers to say uh to vote no 
Uh, they they haven't captured all the meetings where they have it on the screens that uh, from 1990 to 2022, the success rate of organizing, they put numbers like 35, 30%. Uh, it takes three, four years to get a contract. Uh, you don't know if you're going to get more, lose, or stay the same. Uh, you won't be able to talk to the manager one-on-one. -on -one. You won't have that no more. That uh, uh, They can't have a, a, a relationship with the worker anymore. And that it was just uh, that open-door policy would be gone and everything like that. So they're pushing that a third party that we don't need, but every missile we sell, they have a contract with everybody. They, even the people cut the grass got a contract out there. Mm. So they got a contract with everybody. That's how you do business in space and defense right. with contracts. You don't shake a man's hand and say, okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> that, that's not how you operate. Yeah, well, you know, Hal has that. You know, they're they're saying that oh, we, you know, we've got an open door, and wow, we isn't it isn't it so great? You don't want to lose this, you know. I, I'm sure that people have come to them with some of these issues that you're talking about, like that. How is this guy with no experience getting a whole level above me, uh, making more money than me? How is it that I'm not getting regular raises, stuff like that? Uh, I mean, presumably, if this is a great policy, they're addressing some of these issues already, right? Yeah, but they're not. They had open door policy, but nobody's in the room when you walk in there to look for them. They showing up these last two weeks, walking the floor and asking questions, what you need, and and so concerned. But they're nowhere around. They nowhere around when you when you need them. Right. Yes. And and that's the thing. You know, the open uh, the open door policy is something that that non union workplaces uh, put out all the time during union campaigns, like you want to have this open door policy. Uh, but that's always the, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is that it, you know, it never does workers any good, this open door policy. And in fact, a lot of times, if you take advantage of the open door policy and make complaints, it might actually just make you a target for retaliation, right? <laughs> Hopefully that hasn't been happening at Aerojet, but you know, that's, that happens at workplaces across the country. Um, and, the one of the other things you said is that you know the average time to get to a contract is three to four years. You know, Frenchie, why is it that that it takes so long? Who, uh, whose whose fault is it that it takes so long to get a contract? I mean, like like he said, that's one of the things they put out, but that's that's not true. Um, considering Airjet Rocket Nine, it might take up to you know maybe seven to eight months. You know, you have to get a negotiating committee. You know, which is the the people that sell at Airjet Rocket Nine. You get them together, then you have to put out a survey to see what the top priorities that they, you know, when we get to the table, what do you want to fight for? What do you right. want at the top? You know, because it, it all comes down. Everything can be negotiated. We don't promise anything, but everything can be negotiated. But what do you want at the top of that list to be negotiated? Is your pay? Is your health benefits? You know, is it, you know, your break times or, you know, your vacation? You know, what is it? So it, three to four years is just absurd. That's just something to deter them from you know, bringing the union in. But as we say, it's a free look. You know, the structure is already broken. So why not try something different? And like he said, I mean, they we have been there once before. They gave them promises after promise. Now we're back, and now they're trying to start it back up again. So they've done nothing. So you got a free look. So why not vote the union in and, you know, have a possibility of having a great contract to change some of the things that's going on at Airjet Rocket Dine? Right. And, and you know, the... 
there uh, we've you know we've been on the air for three years and we've covered uh you know we've talked to union workers and, and non-union workers from across the country and there are times that it takes years to get to a contract but the reason that that happens in cases where it does is not because oh this process is just so difficult to figure out and it's this labyrinth of all of this stuff it's because the employer is refusing to uh you know to negotiate and bargain in good faith right and so they absolutely you know if they're saying oh three or four years that's really bad that's a long time they are totally capable of negotiating a contract like you said in seven or eight months uh you know it does and and i know that because I've I've seen every time that a union has put out a proposal, workers never ask for ridiculous type of things. I know that y'all are going to make reasonable demands. It's going to be better that y'all are going to want more and better than you have right now. But you're not going to be asking to make as much as the CEO of Aerojet makes, $11.5 million. I found that out yesterday that that uh, the CEO of Aerojet Rocketdyne made $11.5 million last year. So, you know, you're not going to be asking for her salary. You're going <laughs> to... Yeah, a little bit more, right? Um, <laughs> and that what you talked about, Frenchie, that was uh, that that was uh, really important. I thought about the the bargaining process because w- one of the things that Eric you mentioned a- as a as a worker there that they're telling you in these captive audience meetings is that oh you know who knows you might get less. Well, how would that happen? What would be the mechanism that that would ha- that that would happen by? That, like, as long as I've been, you know, doing what I'm doing, as long as I've been part of the union, I, I haven't known you to come out with less, mm-hmm. you know, as far as your pay wages or uh, anything like that. Like I said, everything is to be negotiated uh, and considering that, you know, this will be the first contract. You know, we have other Aerojet Rocket Dines like uh, West Palm Beach. They have great contracts because they have a mature contract, mm-hmm. which means they have, you know, been unionized for years. So, you know, they, they, they're they probably going to be up here and pay. But my thing is with them, you know, it's your first contract. So you got to give and take a little bit. So as you, you know, go into years of, uh you know, just bargaining, you know, it'll get mature and it's, it's going to get better, you know. But you got to have a process structure. Like you said, you know, you have people coming in, you know, you've been there two or three years, you're a level one. You got people come off the street. That's a level two. That's, that's something a contract can fix. You know, right. Hey, if you've been here this long, then, you know, you have this opportunity to, to move up or in the pay scale, you'll get, you know, two raises within this contract, a cost of living raise, or, you know, we might even be able to negotiate in there a sign on bonus. You know, I come off the Boeing contract and with this contract we got this year, we, we got negotiated in a $5,000 sign on bonus. You know, which is, you know, then I think like two times a year, 65 cent within those contracts, which is a three year contract and a cost of living raise, you know, so that's the structure that they need. They don't have any structure. If you're going on merit of what a manager thinks of you, you know, it could be the buddy buddy system of favoritism. This person get, you know, manager, like, well, I'm going to give him 2%. And then a the manager like somebody else to come in, well, I'm going to give him 6%. That's, that's not fair. That's not right. You know, everybody deserves, you know, the, the same thing should be all the way across the board, you know, so and, and that's what we're trying to provide for them. Right. Absolutely. And and and, and you know, that that structure is really important. And, and the structure of, of the of how you get to that contract is is really important because it's not as if the union, uh, you know, this third party is going to come in 
and negotiate for you with the company and impose this contract on you. Like you said, there's going to be uh, a committee from the workers elected. So, you know, if you want, if, if you know, if your coworkers, like, if, if for some reason they have an issue with you, Eric, maybe you're not going to be on the negotiating committee. Maybe they have somebody else. And it's up to them. That's how the democratic process kind of plays out. And then that negotiating committee, like you said, it's going to be some surveys, figure out what the top priorities of the workers are. They're going to take those, uh, those priorities into the negotiating room with management. They're going to come back with a contract that ultimately the workers can vote up or down. So if, if you know, if you get through this process and, and they've elected a negotiating committee, the workers have, and they come back, uh, the negotiating committee does with something the workers don't like, they always have the option to vote it down and say, no, go back to the table, do something, get us something better, right? So why would, you know, the idea that you as a worker would vote for something that's going to make you worse off is just absurd. <laughs> and like you said, it just goes back to the company. You know, the company can bargain in good faith, but, you know, they don't want the union there because now they it's accountability. You know, they have to be held accountable, you know, with with the type of things that they do, you know, how they treat their workers. You know, now all the money is not at the at the top, so to speak. It has to be the trickle down. You know, everybody deserves their, their fair shake. Um, here's another, another question, uh, Eric and Frenchie, is the union, uh, just for Democrats? No, no, no. The union is for everybody. Yeah. And you know, they don't ask you, uh, you're a Democrat or Republican when they cut your lights off. Mm. So they, they just cut your lights off cause you can't pay your bill. So it's for everyone to help everyone to be united. Cause I look at my generation, we're giving back more. Then my foreparents gave, they gained all the uh, Sunday premium and all that. Cause one guy was like, don't we get time and a half on Sunday? I said, no, man, I don't think they have to do it, pay you minimum wage and time and a half over 40. That's it. Mm-hmm. Nothing else guaranteed unless you got a union contract. So like you see Starbucks, Amazon, and all these other places stepping up, you have to know your value. And we, we don't care how you vote. Right. You know, right. like you said, don't tread on me. I believe in that too. When I'm at work too, right, don't right. trade on me at work neither. So, right. so you got to make a stand. If you don't, yeah. you're you gonna stand for something or fall for anything. Yeah. So don't get bamboozled and hoodwinked yeah, by the so. company because companies profit. That's it. It used to be personnel. Now you're a human resource. So you're a resource for them. That's it. That's all the way they look at it. So come together. And however you Democrat, Republican, Independent, don't vote. Stand together. And help each other. We need to help, help each other. Like you said, it doesn't matter. Democratic, Republican, race, creed, gender, uh, whatever it is you, you like in your, your relationship, person, the union is to unite everyone mm-hmm. with the cause of, you know, bettering your, your workplace and bettering the workers. Because, you know, like we say, you don't you, you're not mad at the, the company. You're not mad at your employer. You just know that your company can do better, can provide better. So it's not that we, you know, saying mad at them and just in a, a all out fight, you know, or right. upset. It's just that, you know, we know we deserve better. We know they deserve better and, and we know that they can get better. Just like you said, if the CEO get 11.5 million and then if you look at the price tag of these things, when they go out to, you know, they deserve better, Absolutely. you know, so. 
Yeah, and y'all have, uh, you know, y'all have Republicans on your organizing committee. So it's not it's not as if you're just saying this like, oh, yeah, you know, it, it just so happens that it's all a bunch of libs on the organizing committee. But theoretically, we'd be open to a Republican. Y'all have Republicans, yeah. people who have voted for Trump on your organizing committee that you're, uh, you know, having meetings with, talking about, you know, planning, organizing conversations with. And uh, I th one more thing that that um you know on the the political part of unions that that some people have an issue with and I, and I have an issue with as well is that there are some unions actually that will um come out and endorse politicians without referendums from the membership and I, I don't think unions should be doing that um i that is obviously would not be a reason to vote against a union in your workplace because you know ultimately wh however your union leadership however they endorse it's going to be good for you in your paycheck if you have a union contract but the machinist union doesn't do that and that's something that i've always appreciated about the machinist union i think they started doing this in 2016 they have a referendum uh whenever they endorse a presidential candidate um and they don't endorse if you know until that referendum is complete and then they abide by the results of the referendum so i think that's you know i i have always appreciated that the machinist union has that stance and i think that's very important my union does as well afge um and it's something that i take a lot of pride in right so, yeah, yeah. Right. and like you said it's not about who's democrat or republican but at the end of the day it's about who's supporting the labor union it could be a republican it could be independent it can be whomever. It's not because, oh, well, we're, we're a Democratic union, so if they're not supporting the labor union and they're Democrat, we're still going to support it. No, that's not what it's about. If you're for the agenda and you're going to help us, you know, make a, a, a better life for, for the workers and help get the middle class back to where, you know, it, it needs to be, then we're all for that. Yeah, absolutely. And and people from your union locally, from the Machinist Union locally, have on the Labor Council voted to endorse Republicans here locally in, in, in our jurisdiction. Uh, you know, so that's, you know, prime example of that. It, it's not just are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? It's are you going to support our members? Um, and so, you know, that's that's really important. Uh, Frenchie, Eric, is there anything else that, that you would want to say uh, to uh your coworkers at Aerojet or to community members here in Huntsville? Uh, I would like to say to all the union members in the, in the area, the, the ULA workers, some of my friends that work there and everyone, reach out and all of your family members, church members, friends, and put the word out on your Facebook page, Instagram, whatever you have, and make phone calls and uh, you gossip about it. Tell the vote Wednesday. We need to win and have a big celebration Wednesday evening, and we need this and to keep the standard high on the on the work that we do. We do high standard work, and we need to have a high standard pay for it. And that's one thing I would like to say too with Airjet Air uh, Rocket Down workers. You know, if you're listening, you know, take into consideration, make an educated vote. You know, this is gonna help better yourself, gonna help better your families. You know, this is gonna be a contract that's gonna be secure. You know, you have structure. You know, you don't have to. You know worry about, you know, people coming in making more than you or, you know, what's going to happen day to day because everybody in Alabama is an at-will employee, which means at any given moment, your manager, I don't care if, if he don't like your hair, he don't like you saying something, he can fire you and don't have to give you a reason. With this contract, you have due process. You know, we have a process to where, you know, if you have any 
anything going on, they try to fire you, you know, you have to go by what's in this contract. And we investigate to make sure everything they're trying to do as far as discipline you is legit, you know, and it's a process. You actually have a just cause, you know, to protect your job. So to all my union members, you know, just just keep up the fight. And if you know anybody with Airjet Rocketdyne, just tell them to vote yes, you know, because this is a very beneficial vote to, you know, themselves and their families. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's really no reason uh, not to vote for the union uh, because there's there's no reason that you would have it that there's no way that you're going to have it better without without the union because it, you get you uh, you organize you become you become a unionized facility you're going to have a say in uh, in the conditions that you work under and if you you know if you're not unionized then it's like you said totally up to your manager at the time who could be as many as six people in the last three years right that's imagine being subject to the whims of six different people in three years like a new person every two months and you got to figure out like okay what is this idiot's idiosyncrasies and and like i got to figure out like oh what what's the eggshells i got to walk on around this guy you ain't got to worry about that if they can go through 20 managers in two years if you've got a union contract if they try to step outside of that contract you know you can tell them to you know screw off uh, to keep it FCC friendly, right? Uh, I'm doing my job and, you know, long as I'm doing my job and I'm not, you know, doing anything wrong, then, you know, it, I'm good. And and you can't, you know, you can't go outside of that. And that's, that's, that is, is really freeing for me as a union worker and for other union workers that I know. It is, it, there is a lot of freedom that comes with, knowing exactly what's going to be expected of you and knowing that as long as you abide by what's expected of you, you can't get some runaway manager going and doing whatever they want. Right. Absolutely. All right, folks. Um, I really appreciate y'all taking the time to come in. Just one more reminder. The election is this Wednesday, 28 June from 530 to 830 a.m. So there's two two different times that you can vote if you're an Aerojet Rocketdyne employee here in Huntsville. There are two different times. The vote is going to be happening at the conference room at the employer's facility located at 7800 Pulaski Pike Northwest, Tony, Alabama. And those two times are from 5.30 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. You've got a three-hour window, presumably before your shift starts, right? And then from 2.30 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. after the shift is over, right? So there you go. You've got time before and after your shift to go and vote in the conference room. Make sure you do that and uh, make sure that you vote with your brothers and sisters to to unionize and uh, to have a say over your working conditions. Appreciate it, guys. And we had a uh, uh, folks in the chat saying, uh, you know, solidarity from Asheville, North Carolina, Teamsters Local 61. Um, so. Thank you. Thank you. Thank right. you. Thanks, y'all. Yes, sir. With that, we're going to go to a break. We'll be right back, and we're going to be talking about uh, hair and makeup artists at the Atlanta Opera winning a big case at the NLRB and railroaders getting sick days. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report. IBW558 is like a great football team. You've got to have the aptitude, skills, and knowledge to outperform the competition. If you're a non-union electrician, now is the perfect time to get off the sideline and join our team. We have the absolute best wages and benefit package in North Alabama and Southern Tennessee. It's because our team stands together, bargains together, and our families benefit from it. With immediate openings, you have the opportunity to see why the IBW is the right choice. 
Support for the Valley Labor Report comes from the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers Union. Learn more by visiting www.ifpte.org. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtnj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services provided is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. Support for this program comes from the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 136, out of Central Alabama. Learn more at IBEW136.org. Attention union members, membership organizations, podcasters, or anyone with a payment processing need. The future is here, and your organization needs to be prepared by working with Unionly. With Unionly, your union or organization can take payments on a mobile device, eliminating processing fees, giving you a better price than other payment processing methods, while at the same time supporting a union-friendly business with a specialized skill set to meet your needs. Your members will thank you when they pay their dues at their convenience without waiting in line to deposit cash or check. Start preparing for the future today by calling 206-595-8631 or visiting unionly.io. Are you looking for a better future, a career that can have you set for life, and to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself? If you are, then consider a skilled trades apprenticeship with the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades. The work of IUPAT is all around us, from the industrial painters who work on the bridges to drywall finishers, floor coverers, the glazers who install the glass in our skylines, and so much more. With an IUPAT apprenticeship, you earn while you learn and receive benefits while learning the trade, including a pension. We provide world-class education free of charge. That's right, no student debt. Our starting salaries for apprentices that graduate is above the national median salary with benefits for entire families. And you have the flexibility to take your trade wherever you'd like in the country to work. IUPAT District Council 77 covers our entire region, so give Adam Booth a call at 205-603-3142 for more information. Again, that phone number is 205-603-3142. Come build a better future with us today and join IUPAC. The sign hit the city like a bolt of lightning. You know the photo. It's iconic. Marches in the streets holding a simple sign with a simple message. I am a man. The I Am Story podcast explores the fight that inspired those words. How a group of sanitation workers in Memphis stood up and made history. They don't see us as men and women. Go to IamStory.com or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe. I'm attorney Tommy Senior. When you've been injured and need help, you need a lawyer who's with you. Senior'd Law. You need attorneys always available to take care of you. Senior'd Law. And keep you in the loop. It's your case. You need to know what's happening. Senior'd Law. And never a charge to meet with us to evaluate your case. Senior'd Law. A new firm, but an old name. One that will stay with you every step of the way. Senior Law, the name with proven results.
wealth, all wealth should go to labor, and you are listening to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, and my co-host is Adam Keller. If you've got anything to add, you can give us a call or send us a text message. The phone number is 844-899-TVLR. That's 844-899-8857. I said you can give us a call because that's like burned into my uh, memory, but you can't give us a call right now because the phone lines are closed because we are busy this morning, folks, but we're going to take calls in overtime, Uh, so you can get the number ready and you can call in at 11 a.m. In the meantime, feel free to send us a text message at the same number, 844-899-TVLR. All right, uh, apologies for the audio issues. Um, We're going to, as you saw... We are, we are, um, we're, we're playing around with getting some folks in studio. We want to start having guests in studio more, um, and so I think the, I think we figured out the issue, like, I was coming in on my mic and also their mics, um, so we're, we're gonna try to figure out, figure out what was going on there for the next, uh, for the next show, but uh, uh, but I, I still think it was good overall, and I think hopefully we'll be able to fix some of that for the podcast, right? Because we should be able to just mute, like take out their lines in the in post production. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, definitely appreciate <laughs> uh, appreciate those brothers coming in and talking to us this morning on a Saturday, and uh, wishing them all the best in this election Wednesday. Again, if you are in the area and you know anybody who works there. Uh, please, please talk to them and encourage them to vote yes on Wednesday. Absolutely. Uh, really, I mean, it, it's a really important opportunity. Um, really important opportunity that you, uh, you know, that you want to take advantage of when you can. You're not going to get a whole lot of opportunities to be able to, uh, you know, to s- take some power away from your boss, right? And That's- concretely improve your mm-hmm. lives because I think. You know, what y'all talked about at the end there with the due process protections is huge. Um, Of course, you know, I think they could probably expect better pay and benefits and things of that nature. But having uh, having the structure, as uh, Frenchie talked about, having rules, having um, actual expectations in terms of placement on the salary schedule, all all that stuff is it's just it's just huge. And I think that's a that's a way that these folks can improve their lives and. you know, obviously, I, I saw a comment in, in the chat about like Reagan and the Republicans. And so I, I did want to kind of respond to that real quick, just that uh, small understanding that this workforce is, you know, predominantly white um, and features plenty of Republicans. And so do I think that's great? Uh, no, uh, in terms of them voting for Republicans, because I, I would not vote for a Republican uh, however, uh, we got to meet folks where they're at. And if someone is a Republican, but we can find common ground at work, then, hey, I'm all about it. And, uh, you know, I, I've had success with that, where organizing workers, some of the you know most loyal and fiercest uh, representatives and, and activists I had were pretty conservative politically. And I think a lot of that was like their media consumption. A lot of it was cultural and, you know, the types of people they they associated with. Uh, But we could still find common ground when it came to being treated with respect and dignity at work and and being paid fairly and uh, equitably 
those kinds of issues. And so, you know, we can't just dismiss workers if they have some bad opinions, perhaps, or if we don't like the way they vote, perhaps. Um, you know, we, we still have to have conversations with folks and we have to build relationships with folks because ultimately that's how we, we become stronger and better and, and improve our lives is, is collectively. Um, you know, as an aside, this, this is an industry, the defense industry where you're making, you know, the defense and space exploration kind of stuff that they do at Aerojet Rocket 9. That's an industry that used to be really, really heavily unionized. A uh, friend of the show, Taylor Barnes, wrote a very detailed article for Ink Stick Media. Uh, the title is Union Strength Dwindles at Top Defense Contractors. And the top line is that as recently as the 70s, as much as 70% of the staff at some of these defense contractors were unionized, and today that number is as low as 4% at some of these top defense contractors. Um, and it will also not surprise you to learn that with the decline in unionizations, in, in unionization, uh, there has been a commensurate increase in compensation for not workers, but for the CEOs. You know, that... Uh, that woman at the top of Aerojet making eleven point five million dollars, right? Uh, for for what having meetings, you know. I mean, <laughs> uh, while you know, folks like uh, you know men and women like Eric working thirteen days in a row. There was another fellow that was going to be coming into the into the studio today who uh, just wrapped up thirteen days in a row of working, and uh, you know I think that's one of the reasons that he wasn't able he wasn't able to make it like he had originally intended. Um, and, and, you know, so that's, uh, that's kind of the stuff that they're putting up with, but, but, right. but and the CEO is making 13 or $11 million. Yeah. And, you know, there's a whole nother conversation to be had in, in labor spaces about the defense industry and like, you know, is that the best use of our funds as a country and, you know, the amount of money that goes into quote unquote defense and. You know, even even the word defense is is questionable in my perspective. But all that to say, the workers in these industries deserve unions, just like workers in all industries deserve unions. It's the same thing why, you know, I support my UMWA sisters and brothers. Do I want more coal? No, I don't want more coal. But as long as we have coal, the workers dealing with coal deserve a union. Uh, and they deserve all the benefits and rights and protections that can come with a union. And so that's how I feel. I think every worker deserves a union. Every worker deserves a voice on the job. Uh, every worker deserves collective organization. And so I, I really mm -hmm. hope the uh, the folks at uh, Aerojet Rocket Dawn uh, also recognize that. And hopefully we'll have some good news to report next week. Absolutely. Um, in her piece, uh, she mentions that she, she talked to a firefighter who, when he worked for the company directly, as a union firefighter, he made $40 an hour, which, you know, saying, oh, wow, $40 an hour, right? That's like a good wage, you know? I mean, that's, and you're literally risking your life, you know? I mean, firefighting is like a dangerous profession. Um, and, and so $40 an hour seems to me a reasonable wage for a firefighter. And that same fella, now his work has been subcontracted out. Uh, so he works for the same company, does the same job in the same location for less than half of the pay. He now makes $19 an hour working for a non-union uh, subcontractor for the same company that he worked for before. 
but because they've subcontracted out to a non-union firm, he makes 19 an hour to fight fires. Yeah, <laughs> That's insane. That's crazy. $19 an hour. Um, but like I said, the money hasn't disappeared. It's just gone to different people. Um, and, you know, defense budgets have skyrocketed. So has executive pay. And so... Um, very important for folks like uh, folks like Eric and his co-workers to be able to take some of that money back. So, uh, all support and solidarity to them. Uh, some good news we had uh, in the last couple of weeks. We talked to y'all about the story of Ayatsi Local 798. Those are wig and makeup artists for the Atlanta Opera. Uh, on June the 13th, the NLRB sided with Adams Brothers and Sisters in the Stagehands Union Local 798 in declaring that uh, they do, in fact, work for the Atlanta Opera and are not independent contractors, as the employer tried to assert. Um, this is obviously kind of a, it's a small win in, in that, you know, they still haven't won their contract. They haven't got raises associated with their organization yet. Uh, but it is it is still a win in the fight to end worker misclassification, which keeps thousands of workers uh, every year from the benefits and protections that they are entitled to just by virtue of being an employee. You know, you get certain things when you're an employee that you don't get if you're an, uh, an independent contractor. And in cases where that distinction is correctly defined, in cases where... It is true that you are an independent contractor. That makes sense. It makes sense that you're not going to get some of these benefits that are associated with employment. But if you are a worker that is called, quote unquote, an independent contractor, and yet the only business that you sell your labor to is there's one business and you don't get to set the terms and conditions that you work for. Uh, you don't get to uh, decide, you know, all sorts of stuff. If if this, uh, you know, company that you're so-called contracting with, they end up setting all the terms and conditions of everything of your employment, uh, then then you're not an independent contractor, and you do deserve these these other things that are that accompany your status as an employee. Um, you know, benefits like uh, Social Security paying into Social Security, and your employer paying into Social Security, uh, Medicare, um, unemployment, things like that. That's all really important. Um, and and when workers are misclassified, it relieves employers of, of a lot of the duties that they have um, that, that uh, you know, to the people that make their business possible, right? So to give you just a little bit more detail about the case, uh, what the NLRB did was overrule the Trump administration's NLRB, the Trump board, uh, their decision in the Super Shuttle Dallas-Fort Worth case in 2019, and they returned to the standard for de uh, determining employment status that was laid out by the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board, in 2014 in the FedEx 2 case. So these, consider uh, these considerations for determining employment are the following. The extent of control which, by the agreement, the employer may exercise over the details of work, the uh, whether or not the one employed is engaged in a distinct occupation or business, 
the kind of occupation with reference to whether in the locality the work is usually done under the direction of the employer or by a specialist without supervision, the skill required in the particular occupation, whether the employer or the workman supplies the instrumentalities, the tools, and the place of work for the person doing the work, the length of time for which the person is employed, the method of payment, whether by time or by the job, and whether or not the work is part of the regular business of the employer. In answering the, and, and that is, so that is the, those are the criteria by which the board has, has decided to revert back to and say, these are the things that we need to consider in determining whether or not a person is an independent contractor. Previously, under the Trump board in 2019, they decided that there was only one factor that was really important, and that was the theoretical opportunity for entrepreneurialism. <laughs> like, didn't even have to be actual opportunity. It was just theoretical opportunity. And none of these other things were really considered. They said that that entrepreneurial opportunity was the, quote, animating factor in decisions regarding independent contractor, which is totally, uh, uh, you know, without precedent. It deviates from what the Supreme Court itself has actually said on the question of independent contractor status, deviates from common law, um, from, you know, all the, uh, totally, I mean, it's just a completely different definition that re they really kind of pulled out of their, um, their bum. So, uh, in answering those questions, instead of just the one, the board found that these stylists do not choose where and when they will work. That does not sound very independent to me. They have very little independent authority over the details of their work. They do not supply the equipment or tools. Their work is part of the employer's regular business. They do not render services to the employer as independent businesses and they enjoy no entrepreneurial act opportunity and take on no risk in their work for the employer. And that, that last point is actually really kind of uh, uh, pretty interesting because the uh, remaining Trump appointee on the board said that, okay, while I disagree with overturning the super shuttle decision, it is still, in fact, the case that these people are workers. <laughs> They're not independent contractors. So the Atlanta Opera couldn't even get, you know, the Trump freaks on board with their, <laughs> with, with their, uh, you know, their interest in taking away the rights that these people have as employees. They couldn't even get the Trump appointee on board with that. Um, so that that's a pretty kind of interesting part of the case. So congrats to these workers and uh, looking forward to an, uh, to a first contract for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Sending my love and solidarity to these sisters out here in Atlanta. Uh, just so y'all know, they have been fighting for this union for uh, over two years now. They originally uh, fought to get this representation by IOTC 798 in the spring of 2021. Uh, but the Atlanta Opera has unleashed a vicious union busting campaign over the past couple of years that includes going to the National Labor Relations Board to try to prevent them from, from having union representation by this argument that they're independent contractors. Uh, back in March of this year, they the NLRB actually unsealed and counted the ballots. And wouldn't you know it, they unanimously voted 
to join the Union, IATSE 798. Uh, so these sisters have fought as uh, primarily, if not entirely, uh, black women who work uh, in this position at the uh, Atlanta Opera, the hairstyling and makeup artist. And so, um, you know, there's been a lot of issues with the employer and its union busting tactics, but it seems like these sisters have stayed strong and have continued to fight. And now they have uh, won a very important victory at the labor board that is going to affect not just them, but workers everywhere uh, in this country. Uh, and I think it's really a, a big deal. And, and I really am proud of them. I'm proud of the work they've done. I've uh, gotten a chance to at least talk with a little bit of them. And uh, I'm just really impressed. And so uh, send in my love and solidarity as they continue this struggle and yes, hopefully you receive a great first contract very, very soon. Uh, do encourage folks, if you haven't already, uh, you can sign a petition. Uh, I'll drop that in the chat. I'll drop the petition in the chat so you can sign up and uh, stay in tune with this campaign uh, because obviously they still need to build pressure on the Atlanta Opera to negotiate a first contract. Awesome. Uh, let's keep the good news going with the news that IBEW members at Major Railways got some paid sick days. Uh, that was announced last week. That was a major point of contention during the negotiations last year that almost led to a strike. Uh, from the IBEW's press release, the IBEW and BNSF Railway reached an agreement on April 20th to grant members four short-notice paid sick days, with the ability to also convert up to three personal days to sick days. So remember, one of the issues with not having paid sick days is that you is that you couldn't take off on short notice, right? And if you did, you would be disciplined for it, even if you were sick. Um, and, and you could see how that would be an issue and how that would create some, you know, negative incentives for workers. And so now they have four short notice paid sick days that they can take on short notice if, if they become sick or incapacitated or, or whatever. Um, and then they can also convert up to three personal days to sick days if they need to. So the union also reached similar understandings with CSX and Union Pacific on March 22nd and with Norfolk Southern on March the 10th. Unused sick time at the end of a year can be paid out or rolled into a worker's 401k retirement account. Railroad Department Director Al Russo specifically credits Bernie Sanders for his support, saying, quote, We truly compliment his effort to bring dignity to workers in the rail industry. Without it, we very likely would not have gotten what we have gained today. Um, and that is that's interesting in that press release because there was this uh there was this kind of like a what yellow dog democrat i guess maybe you could say on twitter that was say that that was using this opportunity to attack the quote unquote left for being upset at biden for breaking the rail strike <laughs> and so look at what biden did while you know the union yes the union does say that they appreciate biden's efforts they go a little bit farther with with their appreciation of Bernie, um, and and so I thought that was kind of interesting, and uh, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, I think anyone paying attention who is being honest with themselves can recognize who has been the bigger advocate there for the rail workers, Joe Biden versus Bernie Sanders. I mean, there is no real question. Um, I don't see how any objective observer could could 
somehow say that, you know, Biden has done more or Bernie has done less. Um, you know, Bernie has been pretty clear in his advocacy for the rail workers uh, to have sick leave, to have the right to strike as well, uh, which, you know, Biden has has talked about sick days, but, you know, he, he busted the strike. Uh, he did what he could to force the unions to capitulate to the companies uh, without the sick leave in hand, right? It shouldn't have taken until now to get the sick leave. I appreciate what the union has done, and you know, I send them all of my support for for getting this deal hammered out. That's fantastic news. But um, you know, it shouldn't have taken this long. And and I, I I really I point the finger at the White House and Congress. Uh, they intervened. They made clear their priorities. Uh, so you know, shout out to Senator Sanders for you know staying true to these workers and supporting these workers. Uh, when so many of his colleagues in Washington uh, totally abandoned them and betrayed them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And even more important than that, shout out and and credit to uh, the workers who created a credible strike threat. Right. And, and the power that they have, because, you know, Bernie has been doing this same kind of thing, advocating for workers for as long as he's been a politician. Right. I uh, mean, but he, it was the, he's more or less right. the same guy he was 40 years ago. And and some people knock him for that. I personally respect that, that he's, you know, stayed true to his values all this time. But you're right. It, it makes a big difference when you have organized workers out in uh, in the field, so to speak, who can back up those those uh, bits of support you get from politicians. And so, yeah, I credit RWU, uh, Rail Workers United, for, for the work that they've been doing uh, and all the union activists and, and allies out there who've been pushing things forward on, on the rails because there's, there's a desperate need for reform. Uh, I agree with RWU that the rails should be nationalized. Uh, I think the East Palestine disaster has, has been a clear indication of some of the issues between the you know the strike breaking in uh, around the holidays and then the East Palestine disaster, uh, I think again anyone paying attention you have to recognize that there are real serious problems with the rail industry in this country, and it's going to be up to uh, you know it's going to be up to all of us really to support the workers there and, and build more support politically for these workers. Uh, the Rail Department Director Russo, he said that talks are continuing towards reaching a sick day agreement with Canadian Pacific and Kansas City, both recently designated as a Class 1 rail carrier by the Surface Transportation Board. So the fight's definitely not over, but it's a step in the right direction, and um, we're definitely going to keep supporting them until all of them get all the sick days that they want. With that, let's go ahead and go to our final break. Uh, we'll be right back with some not as good news and some other stories from around the South. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report. There's a lot of talk about a shortage of workers, but that's not the case with IBW558. We have provided our customers over 3,000 workers and performed over 3 million man hours in a pandemic year. With 8,000 OJT hours, 900 classroom hours, OSHA 30 and a state license, our members receive the equivalent of a master's degree. That's what makes IBW558 the right choice for your electrical needs. Look us up at Facebook or at IBW558.org. 
Support for this program is provided by the International Association for Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama. Learn more at IAMAW44.org. Support for this program also comes from the Iron Workers, Local 477. So if you are looking for contractors with lower than average EMR and TRIR, uh, they tell me that if you need to know what those mean, then you will. Uh, or if you need to supplement a workforce at any level for any amount of time, short or long term, if you need iron workers that come trained and certified at no extra cost, or if you need workers from superintendent down to general laborer, and you're looking to start work on a project or you're unhappy with your current contractor situation, you need to call my friend Jeb Miles with the Ironworkers Local 477. They only work with the best in the business, vetted contractors, and can do all kinds of jobs from roofing to steel and bridge erection, from welding to heavy rigging, from structural repairs to machinery alignment, and much more. They supply manpower on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama, so you know they're legit. If you need good quality, safe, efficient, diligent, and knowledgeable workers on your job, then you need the Iron Workers Local 477. Call Jeb Miles at 256-383-3334 or via email at local477 at bellsouth.net and make sure you tell them that you heard about them on the Valley Labor Report. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. The Laborers International Union of North America, Local 366, is proudly recruiting North Alabama workers to work construction and nuclear plant maintenance. If you're interested, please contact Donna at their training center to start the process. That phone number is 256 415 Again, that phone number is 256-415-7452. No experience is needed. Free training is offered, but you must be able to pass a background check and a drug test. Local hiring that grows our community with good-paying jobs that have benefits is their mission. Live better. Work union. Local 366. Feel the power. Support for this program also comes from the Mid-South Council of Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union. Learn more at rwdsu.info. I'm attorney Tommy Senyard. When you've been injured and need help, you need a lawyer who's with you. Senyard Law. You need attorneys always available to take care of you. Senyard Law. And keep you in the loop. It's your case. You need to know what's happening. Senyard Law. And never a charge to meet with us to evaluate your case. Senyard Law. A new firm, but an old name. One that will stay with you every step of the way. Senyard Law. The name with proven results. Do you work in an auto manufacturing plant? Are you tired of taking pride in your work without getting the respect you deserve? 
consider joining the fight to unionize. Auto workers across the industry are coming together because with a union, we can negotiate for the pay, benefits, and security that we deserve and can help sustain our families. In union plants, workers bargain for long-term wage increases, competitive bonuses, and more affordable benefits. You can join the growing wave of organizing today. Find out more and contact us at Uniting Auto Workers on Facebook or contact UAW Region 8 in Lebanon, Tennessee by going to www.uawregion8.net. That's www.uawregion, the number 8.net. A better future is ours. Union Talk Radio Show. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host is Adam Keller. We've got a phone number. You can send us a text message at 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. We'll be going into overtime at 11 a.m. Central Time, and you can give us a call at that time. We'll be opening the lines and taking calls then. Uh, hope to hear from some folks, but feel free to send us a text message in the meantime. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely do that. And we also have uh, Pride at Work coming on at Overtime. Uh, it should be a good interview. Uh, some more updates from IATSE. A lot happening in my union. So we got a lot to talk about. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, we aired live on WVNN, the right-wing talk radio station in Huntsville, Athens listening area, every Saturday, 9.30 to 11 a.m. And our overtime airs after 11 o'clock, only online on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, the entire thing can be found as a podcast in a couple days. So we got our start on WVNN, which is the birthplace of Sean Hannity and home to all sorts of reactionary propaganda that we personally find highly objectionable. But we think it's important to get a different perspective out there to multiple audiences. And we are happy that a portion of the show is replayed during the week on WZZA, the historic black radio station in northwest Alabama, and on WHIV, which is a community radio station in New Orleans. Uh, as I said, we released the full episode on Spotify, App Apple, and the various podcasting apps. So please subscribe to us on your app of choice and give us a good review. We always appreciate that. Uh, and throughout the week, clips of the show are released as standalone videos on YouTube and in some cases TikTok. So if there's a specific segment or interview that you want to find, we try to make that easy for you. Uh, just do us a favor and hit subscribe and like. And all of our content is free, so special thanks to all of you who donate, all of you who comment, all of you who call in, uh, all of you who have liked us, shared us, reviewed us. Your engagement on social media and the podcasting apps really does help us, and that's a quick, easy, and free way to support the program. If you believe it's important to have our own media of, by, and for the Southern working class, Please consider supporting us however you can, and please share with your coworkers, your friends, your family, your neighbors, those union members that you know. Let them know about us. We know there's a lot of good causes to support, and our audience, you know, are working folks with limited incomes. 
So if you do find value in our project and you're willing to chip in a couple bucks, it really would mean a lot to us. We've got some great stuff planned as we continue to grow the project and we can't do it without you. That's right. So, Adam, talk to us about uh, what's going on in Georgia, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, You know, as we do from time to time, we like to highlight bosses behaving badly. Uh, Local media loves to highlight uh, when poor folks get arrested. Uh, We we try to highlight, you know, a little bit something different uh, because employers tend to behave badly, but often don't get the same uh, consequences as employees. And uh, we had a bad boss story out of Georgia. Uh, a court ordered Georgia, a Georgia auto shop operator to pay over $39,000 in back wages, damages, and forbids the owner from discriminating and retaliating against employees. So it's 811 Auto Works LLC operating as AOK Walker. And this... Uh, comes from Judge Temp- Timothy C. Batten of the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Georgia. Uh, back on June 13th, he issued a consent judgment and permanent injunction in, resp- in response to a suit brought by the U.S. Department of Labor alleging retaliation against a former employee by 811 Auto Works LLC, which is a Peachtree City auto repair shop operating as AOK Walker Luxury Auto Works, and it's owned by Miles Walker. So an investigation by the department's Wage and Hour Division found the employer retaliated against a former employee who contacted the division after the employer failed to pay his final wages. Investigators learned that Walker later paid the former employee's final wages of $915 by delivering about 91,500 oil-covered pennies in a pay stub marked with an expletive to the worker's home. The employer also published defamatory statements about the former employee on the company's website. Wow. What a salty SOB. Oh, wow. Uh, To pay you in 91,500 pennies and to cover them in oil and to attach them to a pay stub with an expletive and then to bash you on the company website, all because you had left the job and you would like to receive your final paycheck. You didn't receive your final paycheck, so you contacted the authorities, as any reasonable person might would. So the division also determined that Walker, the owner, violated the FLSA's overtime provisions by paying the complainant and other employees straight time rates for all hours worked, including for hours over 40 in a work week when an overtime rate of pay was legally required. Oh, imagine that. This guy who's acting like a total jackass also violates overtime laws. So the court ordered the auto shop operator to pay $39,934, which represents the back wages owed, and an equal amount in liquidated damages to nine workers. In addition, the judge's order permanently forbids the employer from violating federal minimum wage and overtime provisions and specifically requires them to do the following. Remove all photographs of and references to the former employee who was retaliated against from the company website, and never post photos or references about the employee again. Post the consent judgment immediately in all conspicuous places in its facility where employee notices are usually posted, and conspicuously display a division fact sheet on prohibiting retaliation under the FLSA in its facility. From the U.S. Department of Labor Regional Solicitor, Tramel Howard in Atlanta, 
She said, the court has sent a clear message to employers such as Miles Walker, who subject employees to unfair wage practices and outright intimidation and retaliation. By law, worker engagement with the U.S. Department of Labor is a protected activity. Workers should not fear harassment or intimidation in the workplace. Employers who mistakenly believe they can willfully violate labor laws at the expense of employees and competitors must understand that we will do everything within our rights to bring them to justice. Workers are entitled to obtain the wages they earned without fear of harassment or intimidation, said Wage and Hour Regional Administrator Juan Correa in Atlanta. The Wage and Hour Division will use all tools available to ensure workers' rights are protected and that employers do not retaliate against them when they assert these rights. This case should serve as notice to employers that retaliation will not be tolerated. Just a wild story. I've, you know, I've heard of people like paying a final bill or something in all pennies, just to, you know, it's kind of a screw you thing. Uh, but I can't recall a case where an employer paid someone's final paycheck in pennies. Oil-covered pennies at that. Um, Wow, that is just is pretty pretty low down. Um, you get busted. You, you refuse to pay someone their final paycheck, and that happens to workers a lot, a lot of times. Whether it's service industry, you know, an auto shop like this, um, I've known plenty of folks over the years who you know have a lot of trouble getting that very final paycheck because once you quit, uh, or you know, you get a different job. A lot of times they try to cheat you out of that final check. And that's what they did here. They tried to cheat this gentleman out of his final check. He called the wage and hour division. They pay him in pennies. Just a total ridiculous move. Uh, hope this this uh, Miles Walker small business tyrant has learned some lessons. Frankly, I think uh, the amount he had to pay was pretty modest considering like how egregiously he retaliated against this person uh, to, like, go online even. I mean, it's really, it's, it's out there. So uh, that, that one came across my radar. You know, we tend to check what the Department of Labor is putting out for press releases just to see, you know, what's going on, any cases in the South, particularly in Alabama. But uh, this one came across my radar and really stood out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, here, Here's another story of, uh, you know, bosses behaving badly. That doesn't have as happy of, of an ending. Uh, it's really, <clears throat> I mean, just a remarkable, remarkably sad story. Um, you'll remember that we covered uh, the week after it happened, I think, the death of a 34-year-old mother of three in Montgomery at an airport. Uh, the woman, a union member of CWA Local 3645, was, quote, ingested in an airplane turbine on the job uh just really gruesome uh gruesome way to go and the occupational health and safety administration has concluded its investigation of the death of piedmont passenger service agent and cwa local 3645 member courtney edwards uh, from the CWA's press release, Courtney was a ground agent at the Montgomery Regional Airport in Alabama and a valued member of Local 3645, who died in a tragic on-the-job accident on December 31st, 2022. 
Courtney was a loving mother of three and beloved daughter of Natalie English. Her memory lives on in the hearts of her coworkers and friends. OSHA found that Piedmont Airlines is guilty of a serious breach of safety by not furnishing, quote, a place of employment which were free from recognized hazards that were causing or likely to cause death or serious physical harm to employees that were exposed to ingestion and jet blast hazards, end quote. OSHA issued a 5A1 violation, also known as a general duty clause violation, with an initial penalty of $15,625, which is amazingly the maximum fine allowed by law for a serious violation. OSHA also found that the lack of effective training, clear and unambiguous communication on the ramp, and clear instructions from supervisors as to when it is safe to approach an aircraft were deficiencies that contributed to Courtney Edwards's preventable death. It is clear that the willingness of CWA members to come forward to speak with OSHA inspectors and the work of union officers, including CWA Local 3645 President Danielle Prophet, were essential in providing the documentation needed for this finding. Despite the small penalty, it is likely that Piedmont will contest the decision, but CWA will continue to fight for Courtney Edwards, her family, and the safety of all airline workers who should never fear for their lives on the job. Um, Yeah, really tragic story and just, you know, I mean, absolutely disgusting that $15,000 is the maximum that you can find an employer who's mistakes, even if unintentional, resulted in the death of a person. Um, you know, the idea that that's all the punishment that you should get if if your errors kill somebody is uh, is really, you know, uh, really gross. But that kind of, you know, that, that kind of tracks with a society that, um, you know, values bosses and property over working people. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, there's always that disparity in the way, you know, penalties are assessed and individual workers as just like civilians out in the community, um, they face law and order in a way that employers never, never do. Uh, You know, the severity of punishments for individual people versus the severity of punishments for companies, uh, you know, in a case like this where someone died, someone died, someone is not home with their family because of this. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. It's it is uh, it's sad that that's you know the max penalty um, because that's that's nothing. That's nothing. Uh, it's yeah, and so uh, you know appreciate CWA doing what they're doing to to fight for this this member you know for her her family and, and to to find some justice there in the situation. Um, wishing all the best to to that family and and to the CWA down there. Uh, let's do one more quick story before we wrap up here on the radio, and that is uh, let's head over to Texas. We'll stay in the South, uh, where a record-breaking heat wave is entering its third week in Texas. Temperatures are reaching the triple digits in the broader U.S. South, and tens of thousands of people in these states are now without power and lack air conditioning. More than 40 million people in the U.S. are under a heat alert, and Texas cities have reached an unprecedented heat index. This information coming from The Guardian, the heat index combines temperature and humidity. Corpus Christi hit 125 degrees Fahrenheit, 
the Rio Grande Village notched 118 degrees Fahrenheit, and Del Rio marked 115 degrees Fahrenheit. States including New Mexico, Louisiana, Arkansas, Kansas, and Missouri are also experiencing scorching heat, with the National Weather Service predicting the temperature to rise further and last into the week of the 4th of July. The heat follows a weekend of destructive storms, which is why people have been left without power. Hundreds of thousands of people, in fact, left without power. The heat dome, as uh, it is known, has settled above Mexico and parts of the U.S. Southwest and is caused by hot ocean air that has become trapped in the, at- in the atmosphere. Earlier this week, Texas's power utility, this is how hot it is in Texas, their power utility grid urged users to cut back on air conditioning to alleviate stress on the grid. Emergency crews in Tulsa, Oklahoma, have responded to a record number of calls owing to the heat and lack of power, according to the New York Times. And in Jackson, Mississippi, residents reported not having power and air conditioning for nearly 100 hours, according to NBC. So amid all of this, amid (laughs) this record heat wave, Amid this record heat wave, what is uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott doing? He is not trying to strengthen worker protections against uh, the literally record-breaking heat. Instead, he signed a law this week eliminating local rules requiring water breaks for workers. Uh, seriously, at least wait until next year to do it. <laughs> or, well, I mean, you know, this kind of stuff is going to be happening more and more, so there's really not going to be another time that would be good to do it. Maybe you could do this in the winter and and, and it wouldn't be so stark. But the measure that's going to take effect later in the year will nullify ordinances enacted by Austin and Dallas that mandate 10 minutes. I mean, 10 minutes, right? Just think about how little is being asked of employers here. 10 minutes every four hours for workers who are, you know, out in the heat. And it also prevents any other local governments from passing similar worker protections. So we're not even talking about repealing a statewide law that has been enacted. We're talking about the state of Go- uh, the, the state of Texas coming in and overruling such uh, such meager protections for workers in in local governments that the cities have said that this is what we want to do, overruling uh, what what they decided that they want to do, and and preventing any other local governments from passing similar legislation or similar ordinances. Yeah, it sounds really really familiar to Alabama, uh, where Alabama Republicans, who again claim to be small government, uh, time and time and time again. When people in communities, in cities and counties, are able to do something to help their community, uh, the state government intervenes and overrules, blocks, denies, uh, prevents. Uh, we saw that with minimum wage. Birmingham raised their minimum wage. Uh, we had active raise the wage campaigns across the state, building momentum. And, you know, what did they do? The state government came in and passed a law. Uh, preempting all that and and saying that cities don't have that authority, that cities can't do, you know, 
minimum wage raises. They can't have ordinances that do anything that's going to actually make things better, basically. Uh, you know, you have to just stick with the lowest common denominator that comes out of the legislature in Montgomery. And it sounds like uh, Texas Republicans have a very similar philosophy. Yeah. And, you know, just days after this, the entirely predictable happened when a 35-year-old, I mean, so this is 35-year-old young man. I mean, this is a guy really near the prime of his life, right? 35 years old. Um, a utility lineman working to restore power in Marshall, Texas, died after experiencing symptoms of heat illness. Now, you know, Marshall, Texas, I don't think that they had these ordinances, so it's not as if we can say that, you know, this law that he enacted that overruled the these municipalities killed this person. But the death of this person illustrates the need for the protections that these municipalities were passing. And if he worked under a inside of a municipality that had these protections, it's possible that this young man would be would have been able to go home to his family had he gotten a water break, had he gotten that 10 minutes every four hours um, to cool off. I mean, you know, just the the idea. I, I already said it, but but it's just difficult, honestly, to wrap my uh, my mind around the idea that a 10 minute break every four hours to cool off and mandated water breaks is that that is the kind of red tape that conservatives should be interested in removing, you know? It's just absurd because I can understand that there are some I, I have no doubt that there are some regulations that are that don't make sense or maybe made sense at one time and don't anymore or are maybe too onerous that they go farther than they need to. You know, I mean, no doubt, like you would have to be kind of silly to argue that that's never the case. But the idea that. In a state where you're getting temperatures like 125 degrees that it is absurd to have water breaks mandated by law. I mean, it's just, you know, wicked. So. Yeah, the politicians who think that workers don't deserve water breaks are wicked, as are the employers who, who do not provide such breaks uh, when they easily could and should, right? Employers shouldn't have to even be told by uh, the city or the county or the state government. Uh, that workers out in the heat all day in 100 degree heat need water breaks. The Texas um, AFL CIO said that this is an omen of what could come after the bill takes effect in September. Um, and uh, saying, quote, banning required respite, rest breaks for construction workers in the Texas heat is deadly. And that's absolutely the case. I mean, there's no way to argue otherwise. So with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, as we're wrapping up here on the radio, just a couple of reminders. As they do every month, our friends at Labor Notes are hosting a series of online trainings. If you are looking to learn how to get involved in your union or in activism generally, definitely check it out. Um, you can go to labornotes.org and go to their events page and yeah. we'll see what, what they've got going on this week. Yeah, I, I really wanted to highlight that not only do they have the Secrets of a Successful Organizer series, they have one on building caucuses. That is coming up this month. Uh, highly recommend you check that out. And the what to do when your union breaks your heart. I actually interviewed Ellen Friedman for Shop Talk, and that will be uh, next week's episode. So definitely check that out. 
Yep, absolutely. Uh, if you're not on our email list, head to our website, tvlr.fm. Sign up for that to stay up to date on what we're doing. Um, just a reminder, you can leave us a voicemail or send us a text message at 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. We're about to go into overtime, so if you want to call in, you can go ahead and do that. You can also buy our merch on our website at tvlr.fm store. You can donate to us at tvlr.fm donate. Like, subscribe, share the show wherever you find it. We are heading into overtime now where we are going to be talking to the folks at Pride at Work about the importance of fighting for uh, LGBT rights in the workplace. Uh, because especially in this current environment where gay folks are really, I mean, we are really in a moment of reaction um, against the, you know, the liberation uh, of, of gay folks and their ability to live uh, their life as they would want. Uh, and to have the freedom that I think is constitutionally guaranteed, uh, we're really in a moment of reaction. And and so uh, it's all the more important to um, stand up with our brothers and sisters in that community on the workplace. So we're going to be talking to them. Uh, we're also going to be answering some viewer questions, talking about some IATSE stories and more. So stay tuned. All power to the workers. 